Street Fighter V takes us on an emotional and mental roller coaster just about every single time we play it, leading us to consider if it's actually the most mentally taxing AAA fighter that's out right now. Plus, Bonchan comments on and we explore what it takes to truly level up to the highest ranks of SF5. Netherrealm securing Terminator in Mortal Kombat 11 raises the bar for fighting games yet again, and we check the mailbag all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. You know, before I went to bed last night, I was thinking about this exact moment, because I know that you say the same thing every time, and I've been trying to think of little, like, colorful things to say here, and I just realized I, whatever I was thinking there, I didn't finish the thought, so now I'm here with nothing. Uh, yeah, I I actually based that intro off of what you did when I was gone. You're like, hey, this is how John opens the podcast. I'm like, I actually don't open the podcast that way, but I really like how you did it, so I'm going <laughs> to take that and buy it, so I stole it from you, actually. I'll load up to it, so there it is. Life um, imitates art. Yeah, there it is. All right, so uh, we're going to get right into it now because we put this giant freaking attention grabbing headline on this story and we know people are interested right away and i'm throwing it out there is street fighter 5 the most mentally taxing triple a fighting game of this generation like there's a lot of qualifiers there but but darn it you when i'm talking about this stuff i mean you know the big heavy hitting titles in our community uh no offense to guilty gear players or sailor moon s players out there uh but i am talking about street fighter 5 dragon ball fighters Tekken 7, Smash Ultimate, and Mortal Kombat 11. Those are the big, giant elephants in the room when it comes to fighting games. And I'll get right into this because I know people are going to be jumping right into the comments and saying like, hey, how dare you say that Street Fighter V is the most mentally taxing fighting game of uh, you know right now? That's bullcrap because it's clearly like this. Well, I don't know if that's something that you really want to have the crowning achievement of, of having that associated with your game. That is not a good thing. Thing, in my opinion, uh, this is like you're seeing people walk away salty. They're upset. They are pissed off. They are not happy with the gaming experience and what this game puts them through. And yeah, it takes a lot to conquer it. And there's definitely, you know, uh, what is that? The scar tissue scars or whatever on your face and your arms and your eyeballs. Hell, that, that's where they are. Uh, of <laughs> like when you walk away from this game. And, 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 you know, you can see the punishment that players take with, with doing this. And, and a big thing that brought this up is actually watching players, one, after matches, and then two, go up on Twitter and say, like, ugh, like, this game is so taxing to play. I just feel like I'm getting beaten up, and you have to be so mentally locked in to play it at a high level. And, yeah. When you say mentally taxing, the first place that my mind goes is hard to hard to do, hard to keep juggled, hard to think about, uh, um, like wholly consistently. Um, and it requires a lot of precision mentally, of course, and a lot of, uh, constant thoughtfulness. And yes, uh, well, first and foremost, the first thing that people will say about Street Fighter V is that it's so simple. And we've discussed that it's, it's, it's not as simple because yeah, maybe the, the top level is simple, but that just means that the the distinction between players is going to come from lower levels and so you have to dig deeper and you have to explore these other levels um but when you say mentally taxing i think another significant part of that is also uh emotionally taxing and maybe that's just already wrapped up into what your definition is but i think that we should make that distinction at least and say that it is one of the most emotionally taxing and i know that's uh, that's true for me and i can't say like i don't i don't play tekken 7 on the regular you know so i don't know what it's like specifically to be uh experiencing that emotionally but i do know that this has 
given me by far the strongest and most negative reactions uh, to, to video games in general. Um, and that's including, you know, Street Fighter 4 right beforehand um, in that same kind of fighting game atmosphere, even online. This game has made me more angry, uh, more consistently than anything else I've ever played. Yeah, and, and even though we don't actively play all the other games at a high level, we do follow them constantly. Like, we are yes. constantly surrounded by this stuff. It's There's not a day that goes by where we are not immersing ourselves in, in this freaking environment of the fighting game community, right? And and just the salt and the, the anger and just... So many freaking emotions that, that are just raw on people's face. I don't know if I've ever seen it in this community, even over Marvel 3. The, and the caveat there I will throw out there is that I think Marvel 3 players expected it. Like Street Fighter players are not used to this. Like I am being thrown into the furnace and I have to like dig my way out and somehow survive. It's like a Saw movie or something like that. It's ridiculous <laughs> at that point. And, and what I will go back to here is that games are supposed to be fun. When you are putting in hardcore barriers to enjoying the game and having progression and stuff like that, I don't look at that as a good thing. And that that's actually one of the things that I think Street Fighter V has going against it. And we actually just ran into this with Dream King. He's like, guys, I'm trying to level up and rank. And he's like, I didn't have any fun playing at all. And I'm yes. like, yeah, I'm like, Let, let's redirect you here a little bit, kind of show you what you need to do. But not everyone has got, you know, like a couple guardian angels, like uh, guardian devils in our <laughs> cases, maybe. But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, I think a, my response was get wrecked and lol or yeah. something like that. You were you were playing like the maternal paternal figure like, oh, well, here's no, I was just like, ah, get wrecked, scrub. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I, mean, I did that first and then I followed up like, hey, I feel bad. Right, now. Let me right. help you out. Right. Um, but this stuff can be gotten around. It's just not easy. And, and, and so like we're playing games to have fun at the end of the day. And, and that's why I look at this and go, OK, yeah. And. and so I look at the Street Fighter V players out there. I look at Punk. I look at Tokido. I look at Bonchan. And I go, yeah, those guys have got some extra juice in them that lets them compete at this level and stay consistent and amazing. And I give them big props for it. But then I look at the rest of the player base and I go, I don't know if this is working so well for the vast majority of people. I don't know if this is really an ideal set of circumstances for the, you know, and Street Fighter is generally one of the most played games in our fighting game community, but hands down, it was like that, sure. Smash, you got a few others, but those are kind of like the big two, right? And you kind of want those to appeal to as big of a massive audience as you can, because that's what they're traditionally known to do. You know, so when you when you say mentally taxing, are you talking about juggling multiple things at once and how hard that is to do? Yeah, and I'll actually use an example that's very close to home for a lot of people, and I'll mention the removal of option selects in, in Street Fighter Four. Uh, to me, the training wheels are off in Street Fighter Five because with the, the game's damage and its V trigger system, you never had to think about this stuff like in, as much as you do right now uh, in Street Fighter Five as you did in Street Fighter Four. It's like, oh, hey, you know what? Like my option select isn't working. Let me back that. Because now I'm going to go ahead and escape all of your pressure, especially like us Rose players. It's like, well, I'm just going to back yeah. 90% of the match. Like, what are you going to do about it? Right. It's like a, it's like a teleport was mapped to two buttons. It was great. Uh, or two you know, button presses. But anyway, um, you had so much in the way of training wheels that guided you through all these decisions and all these things you never had to make for yourself. I was used to this before. I, I've, I've been playing, you know, fighting games from the get go. Uh, I love these things. I'm used to very brutal games. And so Street Fighter V is right up my alley. It doesn't bother me. But I do have to take a step back and appreciate that there is a big player base out there that may not be very comfortable 
let me let me take that back is clearly not comfortable with the experience that street fighter 5 offers so it sounds like what we're getting at is the overall takeaway and like i said the the mixture of part of this part of this discussion is the mental juggling act that it requires and we can get into that but cer- certainly the the basic idea you need to know there is that like I was getting at, you dig deeper and it has to be a, a deeper uh, like revolution or, or a, a roulette rather of options that you're thinking about that your opponent might do uh, because certainly like the, the execution isn't there like it was in right. other games. So that part's not as hard. Uh, but but there is like there are further levels where and, and also here's the other big thing about it. Uh, it's very commitment based. So when you're making your decision on those further levels, it's a risky thing to start with, and you know that, and it may or may not go your way. And that causes some anxiety immediately. I'll give you a quick example. Waking up with a low forward, that's to beat shimmies. And that's usually when you're cornered and you're in a pretty negative situation, and there are a lot of things that your opponent can do that will beat that, but you've been eating shimmies all day. And so even though your low forward's like a seven frame startup, and you're going to do it on your wake up and hope that it works out. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But even to work up to make a decision like that or entertain a decision like that is taxing on you, I think, emotionally and mentally. And the way that Street Fighter V makes you, I guess, feel or, or can really make you feel the sense of injustice, it's a combination. What's emerging to me is that it's a combination of both it's it requires a lot of mentally taxing decisions that you have to make if you're going to actually play the game on a on an evolutionary level and then also it just sucks the life out of you emotionally in in a lot of cases when you lose and so those two things going at you simultaneously is kind of the whole takeaway from street fighter 5 and i think the whole takeaway uh, that compared to MK11, Smash, Tekken 7, you know, all the all the, all the other big AAA games right now, is uh, much more negative with Street yeah. Fighter V, and I think that's yeah. what we're kind of getting at. Yeah, how many times have we called this game an emotional roller coaster, right? Or yes. we're just like, oh man, and, and we we hardly ever hear other people talk about other games in that way. You know, you don't you might hear it here and there, but it's not like the the overwhelming sentiment that people are putting out there, right? It, it's not that bad. And I, but I do want to go back to one thing you mentioned about about execution that mm-hmm. yeah this game is not ex- executionally as heavy as some other games in many cases like you know it does depend on the character you play there's a lot of you know qualifiers i could put in there but overall i don't disagree but to me execution usually isn't highly stressful or it shouldn't be or you're getting a lot of drops like if you are stressed out when doing a combo your odds of dropping it um, are way higher like it, yeah. it just it, you it do feeds not, itself it's terrible <laughs> yeah you, you really actually want complete calm and like not you know doing that stuff and that is kind of the opposite situation that street fighter 5 constantly puts you in in any game where you're dealing with like okey pressure or whatever and someone dancing around in front of your face like just daring you to do the wrong thing like that is inherently going to up your stress levels and you're going to have to deal with that like when i'm getting into do a long combo like i want i don't want that heightened sense at all like i want the freaking like as calm as possible because i've done it a hundred times a million times whatever and and that's where i'm getting into that frame of mind so again i would use that as a point against street fighter 4 um that you know execution is actually not anything that should be stressful Uh, now what if i play devil's advocate here and i bring up a game like tekken 7 that mm -hmm. one does uh first of all you're operating in a three-dimensional plane so you got that whole other z axis that you have to worry about manipulating and manipulating your opponent with 
And then you have things like uh, like high level, you'll have to be constantly inputting for the like Korean backdash, as it's known. The things like you know like wave dashing and smash, things along those lines that you're constantly having to do. Um, execution when it comes to uh, like the electric moves, people talk about how difficult those tend to be, especially when people are just first starting out. And then on top of that, all the gameplay that goes into Tekken. Uh, do you feel like there's an argument there to say that you're juggling more mentally and therefore that game might be more mentally taxing because of those reasons? Again, when you're going into execution mode, you're oftentimes, it's like the option selects in Street Fighter 4 to, to bring it home are, you know, long combos in Marvel. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, you're holding your breath, hoping you don't drop the combo and mess it up. Like that's a thing. But that type of pressure to me is very, very different than someone is up in your face. Like zero has just done his corner mix up and you're like, which way do I block? This is insanity. Oh my God. You know, like you should never be feeling like that when you're doing a combo or any kind of execution like that, that, that rush is night and day different to me. I'm not saying it's not taxing. I am saying it is taxing, but I'm saying the, the amount of mental stress you're putting yourself under in those situations are night and day different to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, then as far as not execution goes, and what you've seen with Tekken, because I know you don't play as, uh, much Tekken, uh, but you have watched a lot of it and, mm -hmm. and a lot of high level just for coverage on the site. Uh, where, like, how mentally taxing do you feel like Tekken is, and like, where does that, where would that rank, maybe in relation to Street Fighter, if it's not more so? Is someone playing Jack Seven or is someone playing like Heihachi or whatever? And that's a big thing, right? It depends. Tekken 7 is very much about the character you play and I know there's a number of very notable players in the community who have very strong mains that are very demanding mentally and executionally and they play other characters to kind of get themselves through a tournament and will bust out those mains here and there to try to you know, offset that. Um, I... I'm hard pressed to argue Tekken's execution or anything like that because everything is different. Like uh, Justin, um, uh, he is our resident Smash expert on the website, and he tries to go in there and play a Street Fighter, and he's like, "How do you guys execute this stuff? How do you do this? Is really hard." And then we go back in and we try to play Smash against him. He's like, "What? You guys are having trouble like with the perfect pivot system? Like, I don't. What? What's the issue there? It's only a one frame link that you have to time. And it's just it's so different between each and every game. It's it's a little bit apples to oranges there." But I will answer your question and say that I generally put execution around the same ballpark with most of the games out there. Uh, I can say that some are a little higher, some are a little lower, but I generally think that Tekken is about as executionally heavy as about most other games. It's, it's definitely right. not like a super high grade or a super low grade. Right. So, but just the other things that are going on in Tekken, do you feel like that, that game is mentally taxing outside of execution? I think it's about average in terms of, of mentally like being as taxing as it is. And I think a huge reason for that is Tekken has evolved over the years and changed stuff. But a lot of the way the characters play and other things like it's transferred between games pretty well. Right. Like, you, yeah, you, there has been a very big consistency legacy games. And so a lot of the situations that you have to deal with in in those games, like it definitely changes and has evolved. But you've had years to figure that out. You've had, you know, and, and this is, you know, Street Fighter V, we call it a shock to the senses for most Street Fighter players because it's so different than most of the Street Fighter games that we grew up with and played. Uh, it, it's very, very, very different. And so that's that's kind of like the big like difference I would put there between the two titles. 
Yeah, some of the some of the things that you've learned, quote unquote, growing up through other Street Fighter games actually are detrimental if you bring them into Street Fighter Five, as we'll get into a little bit later. Yes. So another thing I will add on is, uh, and this is something you and I feel very like a lot is the brutal online point system of Street Fighter Five that causes you stress because most people are playing these games online and they are playing you know either ranked or doing something like that you know to try to level up. Uh, both you and I are pretty high up on the spectrum, and when we lose to a diamond ranked player, uh, I think we lose about between 130 to 150 points, and, and that's just like if you go two and one, you're actually losing points against a diamond ranked person, uh, and. That causes you stress and it causes enough, en enough people out there, I should say, to not even want to play the game online because of how brutal the game's online play is. Like, and I mean, I'm not even talking netcode. I'm just talking about, oh, yeah, great. I went two and one against a Urium player in season two who just freaking did a bunch of random stuff. And I lost a bunch of points like this game. The, the online point system beats the crap out of you. Yeah, it used to be significantly worse as well. Um, before, uh, oh gosh, it was about a year or two. Maybe it was Arcade Edition. I'm not sure when the update happened where they changed this. But I used to get matched up with Platinum players as well. And if I beat a Platinum player, I would get, like I think it was two points. I don't know why it was two and not one, but it was like two points. Maybe it was one. Uh, but losing would be like 150, yeah. right? And I think losing to a diamond, I lose like 110 or 120 or so. But uh, you're right, because I only gained 35 from beating them. Anyways... Uh, especially with online and, and, and input lag and all of those other things that have, that the game was worse even before, that yes, it was super punishing. And it's like there was no reason for me to rematch a platinum player outside of just like, you know, if I'm trying to grind against the player and it doesn't matter. But it would be so easy to lose points and it'd be so hard to uh, to get them when you're getting higher up. And But now they fixed a lot of that. Like I don't get ranked with anyone below diamond and... Um, and I actually think it's a lot better than it was. I've, it is still brutal. What you're saying is true, but I also don't feel like I'm coming from, I remember that and I'm happy to be where we are now, but that's not to say that where we are now is necessarily the right spot. So I'll give you that for sure. Yeah, but I mean, um, from a game design standpoint, you want your players to keep playing your game, keep, keep invested in whatnot. And with Street Fighter V's online system, you get to certain walls where if you don't improve as a player, you will not gain points. You will be stuck there. And you that's kind of the opposite of really what you want as a game designer. You want everyone to always feel like they're making progress and never get stuck. Like they might make more progress if, you know, they improve a lot as a player, but in, but Street Fighter V's you know, point system is that brutal. It's like, look, oh, you haven't improved in a couple months. Well, guess what? You're going to be stuck at this rank for the next you know, year or two or whatever, and as, however long yeah. it takes you. How many people have pinged us and said, hey, I've been stuck in silver for X amount of time. It sucks. Please help me out you know, type thing. And, and that just really heavily plays into this. And again, I'm not saying this is good. I'm actually saying it's bad. I don't think it's a really good game design thing because you do want to have like the carrot and the stick in front of people and show them, you know, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's there, but damn, is that light at the end of the tunnel like 50 miles away, you know, and you've got to walk through like broken glass to get there or something. It is, it is not easy to get there with Street Fighter V. You know, if I were to give this game like a just like the one thing, if I only had one word to describe where things went wrong uh, most efficiently with just one, I would probably say reward. Yep. You know, f through through all of these different avenues, whether it's in the immediate gameplay, um, the the whole economy, you know, with fight money, uh, what you're talking about here with the ranked points online. All of it is, and, and even and even when you get the reward, because we talk about how a lot of characters have these like robbery tendencies, and then they're they're able to get the reward without enough effort. Well, 
I mean, that's the opposite of what we're saying here. We're not, we're talking about not being able to get that reward when we feel like we would, we would, we need it or we want it to keep, you know, as fuel to keep going. But even on the other side of that, if it's too easy to get the reward and it's not properly balanced, then the the returns on that are pretty diminishing. It's like, yeah, it's fun in the moment. It's fun to win. That's good. But yeah, you can go win in a lot of other places. There has to be more to it than just, uh, it's fun to, to, to have the, the thumbs up appear on your screen right and the right. little fanfare place so yeah i think reward man on, on street fighter 5 is like that's that's the lesson they could learn um and and move into the future and make the most corrections with if they figured that one out so we've established that that street fighter 5 went too far with overwhelming players and you know as much as we hear complaints about the game being too scrubby too easy i really think that's not the case and i understand why people say that i understand it's usually that is um, that is a, a translation to this game is too different from what I expected. And that could be a very bad thing. Like we, we've just covered the reasons how come the differences from Street Fighter V to Street Fighter IV uh, are too much, like for a lot of players. Um, and I don't look at this game as being too easy or too scrub friendly. There are some problems with it, but I mean, it's not like, you know, Scrub Boy 15 is winning every tournament, you know, or, or coming close and placing up there. It's, you know, your best of the best players are placing up at the very top. Um, so with that established... I think that the way that Street Fighter V makes players feel, as you mentioned, the reward system and all that is one of the main things we have to alter. It's, I think we need to go back and add another defensive mechanic into this game. You and I have addressed that a lot, but again, to go back to Street Fighter IV, you had a focus absorb, you had a backdash, you had uh, the crouch teching, you had all these great options. You try to backdash in Street Fighter V, you get counter hit, and then you're getting a gigantic combo pulled off on you. That is something the developers, like, from the get-go, that's not an option select, that is a defensive option in most games, a backdash and they're like nah you don't got that no more good luck with that and and that probably ended up being a pretty bad idea in terms of how skewed the offenses in this game and that's why some of the people feel very overwhelmed with it and very just like ah damn like what am i supposed to do like it hurts the fun factor of the game and yeah it can be sucky to deal with it but these options to have balanced play and have both both aspects you know fair like those are important that's what a game designer is supposed to do right like they're supposed to find a good balance between those type of things so yeah, and you can argue that's even more important than the actual competitive side. I don't. I think that you absolutely just need a balance between the two. But if you have it at least, you know, very fun, you're going to get a lot of people coming in and playing it, even if it's just like mindlessly playing it just in, in their free time because it's so uh, rewarding. But yeah, that's that's definitely the, uh, the pothole they stepped in this time around. Yeah, and I will, you know, add in there that there's no perfect game out there. Um, you and I are hoping for these adjustments here in a future version of the game. We compare this a lot to Ultra Street Fighter 4. Ultra Street Fighter 4 was a highly polished product that did not start out that way and got a lot of great adjustments by Capcom, got a lot of great balance tweaks. Um, it had a long time to to sit there and marinate and become a very, very good game a great game for what it was uh you know problems aside uh they really did a great job with the balance and things of that nature so um we're really hoping that you know super street fighter 4 comes along like we're only a few months away from when it should be coming right and that capcom can jump you know throw their hat right back in the ring say hey we've heard your complaints we understand that this is an issue let's go ahead and address it and get these players back in here and get them enjoying street fighter again you know like this is this would really help and and there it is that'd be awesome 
So moving along, uh, next up, we have Bonchan commenting about B-minus ranked players. And this was actually several months back, but I wanted to get into it again. Uh, one, because Bonchan is freaking awesome. I love Bonchan. He's kicking everyone's butt. Uh, but I, I've had this note, and I've wanted to have a, you know, a free break to kind of like put it into context here. And here we go. Uh, so to recap, Bonchan basically said getting to a B-minus level in Street Fighter V is too easy. Um, he describes a B-minus level as an 80 out of 100. That's where he puts it at. And uh, I wanted to go back and, and kind of like put into context like what we think a B minus player is like for our listeners and other stuff because like B minus could mean a lot of things for a lot of different people right like it's it's kind of whatever and and there's a whole the whole spiel about this is basically the more we understand about how to like rank and categorize players and like the context like the more we can put it succinctly and and use terms and other stuff people uh, easily pick up on the easier the game is to understand the less we're hearing of you know the scrub mentality of oh this game is like that it's like no this is why you don't like the game this is what's not good about it here now take this feedback to your friends take it back to capcom take it back to the internet and and educate people have drop knowledge on people's heads instead of using, you know, like whatever terms that just really don't add up and don't make sense and aren't really helpful for people. And and I do think that Bon Chan categorizing players here in this way in particular, I think is actually very helpful for our discussion going forward. So anyway, to get right back into that, uh, to get the high end going here, Bon Chan rated Punk as a 98 out of 100 player, adding he was very close to 100 out of 100. This was a couple mm -hmm. months back. This was when Bon, or, uh, I should say Punk was the top of the CPT leaderboards by a long margin. Uh, Bonchan has passed him up, but regardless, uh, you guys, uh, everyone knows Punk, everyone knows the level he was at back then. That is a frame of mind for basically an A-plus um, top-end player. Uh, there's no S-rank as far as I've seen here, just, you know, A-plus and on down. So, um, so now that we've got into it, to me, what Bonchan is describing when he talks about the B-minus player is actually a player at diamond rank. And this is a player who has about three to four really awesome offensive mix-ups um, and can just kind of throw those at you and just really knock you on your butt and just mess you up hardcore. And, and that is the problem here in Street Fighter V of these B-ranked players being able to, to wreck you because offense being so dominant in this game. And, and the, the top-end players, the, the very best of the best, have learned to deal with that and to you know, get around it and whatnot. Um, but the other players that are close to that, what, what are the arguments you have made is that that separation between skill and kind of just doing crap, you know, just basically throwing out great offensive tactics is not enough in this game. You know, the, yeah. there's the top end separates itself, but that when you are close to that B minus rank, let's say you're an A rank or whatever, like you're, you're too close and you're too susceptible to getting blown up by those, those core mixups in this game. It always comes back to balance, doesn't it? The difference maker in Street Fighter V is the ability to read the opponent, which that's going to take you really far no matter what game you're playing. But a lot of other Street Fighters, you've been able to fall back on the ability to play the game at a basic level and do the quote-unquote right things and have that pay out for you most of the time. But that gets a little muddled in Street Fighter V, especially with certain characters and V-triggers and whatnot. And those things are fairly easy to do. So you'll have a B-minus type of Urian player, for instance, throw out a tackle, go into Aegis, and have a real chance of bringing an entire round back from that situation. We've talked about that plenty. So, But I, I think that that's kind of where we're getting at here. It, it's that... You have to be able, like, the, the thing that separates those top, top tiers, and I'd say, like, the top 5 or 10%, they're kind of in their own group. Um, and, and what they're able to do, uh, on top of being very good at everything else, is they're especially good at being able to 
very quickly see what their opponent's tendencies are and manipulate those and, and do it consistently and effectively. Plus, like I said, everything else, you know, you have your anti-airs, you have your offense down, you can smother them. Um, but that's the difference maker. And when you're playing, like like I used to play Street Fighter 4 and just fall back. Like if I was starting to get messed up by someone that was too crazy, I would just kind of fall back and say, I'm just going to go to real basics, fireballs and uppercuts, and they probably can't hang there. But in Street Fighter 5, it's fewer and far between that you can actually fall back on those kinds of things. You have to basically take that big risk it's like you'll you'll be at a point where you have to wake up low forward and that's a it's like well is it gonna work or not and like well have you paid enough attention to your opponent where you know if that's gonna work or not because it's not in your favor technically speaking but sometimes you have to make those plays that the book doesn't say do because that's just the nature of this game yeah in the top end godlike players they have several factors which help them overcome this and john is talking about them right now um and getting into this uh, establishing this for players who are lower ranked is really hard here. And I'm not trying to say, Hey, you know, you're too scrubby to understand this. You know, uh, what I am saying is like to, to understand the nuance that goes into separating yourself from a B minus ranked player. It, it, it takes a bit, but I will try my best here. And, and, you know, hopefully everyone goes along with the ride, but, um, Making people have to hold a strong 50-50 in this game does not take enough skill. I agree with that flat out. Uh, so how you get around that is you look for the risk-reward opportunities when those come up. You need to be paying very close attention to the moment your opponent has V-Trigger available to them. That is usually the key for most characters in this game. Not all, because most characters can um, uh, activate V-Trigger off of a button and they're going to be plus 7,000. You know, you're, you're holding a super strong mix-up at that point. And what you do is you need to dance outside side of that range and you need to be very acutely aware of the moment that someone has those options available to them and then when they do if they they're not able to get that free activation on you that's one less mix up you're holding in this game and your odds of winning that round have increased by let's say you know 30 percent or 25 percent or something like that because you are holding one less mix up in this game that's basically a 50 50 you know it's, it's the less 50 50s you have to hold the better your odds of winning that's simple right <laughs> um and uh it's sorry i'm probably doing some crazy math here i already laughed so let me ease up off that just a little bit but no not at all the reason i laughed is because there's another portion of the podcast that we were going to get to where what you're saying is exactly the kind of lesson or, or idea that I wanted to articulate in that oh, okay. <laughs> portion of things. So this will bleed right into that. I'll just jump in and start saying, you know, what I was going to say there and here. But that's it's just funny that we happen to have the same thing. But they're, but it's coming from different places, right. from different places in our notes, oh, which is goodness. interesting. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so this is fairly high level, shockingly enough, because actually juggling this in the middle of a match of Street Fighter V is very hard. This game is throwing so much at you, and you'll hear John say it, and a bunch of other people have picked it up now, that this game is like you're throwing juggling pins at the opponent, and you're like, oh, you can juggle three? How about four? How about five? Uh, how about 20? You know, and, and eventually someone is going to crumble because there's just too much for them to handle. And so on top of this, you need to wrap your head around how to handle these situations. And why I call this fairly high level is... Okay, yeah, you can do this and you need to do this at like, you know, diamond ranked and above to get up, you know, further along. But you're bang for your buck. The amount of efficiency, I should say, that you're going to get from studying stuff like anti-airs, V-trigger mix-ups, like your own V-trigger mix-ups, not someone else's, uh, things of those nature, which we've covered before, you're going to get a lot further with those at lower levels of play. You don't need to do this stuff until you hit about platinum diamond rank. Like, it, you can do it and it will help you, but like, there's just so much more bang for buck with other things. That's how come I'm kind of steering people away from it. But if you're curious, here it is. Like, this is, I think... At 
at one of the biggest hearts of what uh, Bonchan is talking about and how to separate yourself from that fold. And, and again, it's just it goes down to 50-50s V-trigger mix-ups mix in this game are super strong. The way that you deal with them is just don't be anywhere near them when they're happening. Do your damnedest to be as far away from them as possible so they don't happen to you. There's the the evolution of the decision-making process. Uh, I guess I'll just kind of wedge this in here now because it, it makes too much sense to do it and, and would be dumb to skip over this. But uh, we were you shared a uh, tweet yesterday and just um, something you agreed with uh, our good old buddy Keats. And uh, he was talking about Street Fighter 4 and Street Fighter 5. And he says, if you use the exact same mental stack prioritization that you found or that found you success in Street Fighter 4 while you're playing Street Fighter 5, some things will feel like they're working in your favor, but you won't get far with it. Adaptation isn't just about your opponent. Progress requires self-reflection. There, there's more to it, but stopping right there. The answer in, uh, we'll say in Street Fighter 4, if you've cornered someone, for instance, you've unlocked a huge advantage for yourself. Why? Well, because they've lost the ability to move backwards. Mm -hmm. So the footsie game has all of a sudden become very, very strong in your favor. Okay, fast forward to Street Fighter 5. When you have pushed someone to the corner, let's let's use Akuma as an example. You've pushed them to the corner, there's a good chance you've been wailing on them and they have V-Trigger now. If you have an Akuma with V-Trigger stalked, not activated yet, but stalked, you're, as much as you feel like, well, you get to play this advantageous footsies game now because you've earned it and you have when it comes to other games, in Street Fighter V, that's simply not the case. Why? Because activations from V-Trigger are so strong and so consistent that he doesn't even have to look to see if it hit you. He can just toss that fireball out and activate, or he can toss a low forward out or activate. Uh, a standing heavy punch that crush counters or a sweep and activate. And you know that those things are going to come out. Uh, when you have a character, uh, especially one with, with such a strong V-Trigger cornered, you don't have that advantage. As much as like Street Fighter Four has taught you that, you don't have it here in this game. Is that bad? Well, not in and of itself, but we'll come back to that later as to whether or not this is a good thing or just, just the way it is. But the correct thing to do at this point, instead of going in, is to cage the opponent. And what's going to probably happen is they're probably going to activate. You'll block it because you're just patiently caging and you're not going overextending and trying to hit them. And then they're going to get to do their 50-50s and mix-ups and they're probably going to escape the corner. The victory for you here is that they've spent their meter. And maybe they screwed up and, and messed up with an uppercut and you're able to punish them heavily or they whiffed and you were able to take advantage but you have to go into this normally very advantageous situation and you have to take a much more down back approach and that's what street fighter 5 asks you to do yep that's what the pros are going to be able to do more efficiently. It's especially when you have so much momentum and the advantage and you know you've learned that this is good. Nope. Uh so that's that's the next level. That's the evolution of understanding the decision-making pro process. Yes, technically you're at advantage and it's by very almost fundamental like fighting game ground and understanding that is is the evolution. So it's very different from a lot of other stuff, Street Fighter 4 especially. And I don't want to get too far down that because I feel like there's more to say um, Actually, on, on your point here. Let me, let me throw that at you. Um, with Street Fighter 4, how was that... I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that it was different than this, but how was it entirely different than Ultras? Didn't you have to do similar things with Ultra moves in that game? Like you mean with 
like respecting people's ultra respecting people's ultra especially when they were down to their their last sliver of life right well this happened a lot with roses ultra too um but that that was a fairly unique ultra most of the time what you're talking about is like they have the potential to come back if they land their big hit but the big difference between ultra as a comeback mechanic and something like v trigger uh the the biggest one right off the bat is the cancel mechanic yes the the ability to make it safe and then get you to that powered up state whereas the ultra you had to combo into it you had to or take a big chance with it with like a wake-up kind of situation but you still had to earn the hit and with v-trigger you don't as much usually you had to earn the hit you could argue that rufus dive kicking into his ultra was maybe not earning it very much at all but sure. that is a you know that's an isolated case right like abel wasn't earning it some zangief sure as hell wasn't earning it when he was churning butter right like watching a zangief player churn butter and like he just guessed and you know got you and whatnot there are exceptions to that but overall again that's where i agree with you and so i look at this problem in street fighter 5 and I personally don't see it as a fundamental or fundamental insurmountable problem with V-Triggers. I look at V-Triggers as something that needs to be tweaked. I go, you know what? That's just too good. It's fine that it offers that, but what it offers is just too damn good in the context of everything else. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that's fair or do you think like we really kind of need to overhaul that system a lot more? Uh, so what you're saying is it's not V-Triggers in and of themselves. It's just that they're as powerful as they are is, exactly. is the main issue. Yes. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think if you were to dial back this system, uh, this mechanic, and its strengths as it exists now, you would have a much more balanced game, and you could potentially return to that sense of um, of of like well, getting advantage once you've cornered an Akuma, even though he has V-Trigger or something along those lines, right? And I think that uh, in this particular case, I was saying earlier, well, is this inherently bad or is it just different? I would argue that it is bad because of how powerful the V-Triggers are. You have to sit down and decide what is it exactly that you want in when you sit down to play a fighting game, right? You have this realm of like, okay, here are the boundaries where if it crosses this line or if it crosses this line over here, it's no longer what I sat down to do. Mm -hmm. But there's a ton of wiggle room and there's no like definition that, you know, that everybody agrees on. So there's a lot of wiggle room there and, and, and maybe a game gets right up to one of those boundaries but doesn't cross over it, but it's so close you're not sure. And, and, and so it's really a convoluted space. But to simplify it, I would say that uh, in a fighting game, especially Street Fighter, because it's different across, you know, it's we're not talking about the, the the meta of Marvel versus Capcom, for instance, something like that. The expectations are different. But for Street Fighter, um, I, I do want the ability to take this reward that I've earned and feel like there's a reason for me to earn it in the first place. Right. I can't necessarily put my finger like mathematically describe exactly how significant this is and how much it needs to be toned down. But I can say that I think that it's in a place where it's detracting from the fun and from not just the fun, but what we want. The the solving of the puzzle of two minds going back and forth and having that like one person be better than the other person, the significance there. I want that to be better represented in Street Fighter V. And I think it gets covered up by the uh, training wheels of V-Trigger too often. Right. And I'm going to go back to what you just said you're like i can't quite articulate like exactly how you know if we need to lower v triggers by 20 percent or whatever and that is why we're having these discussions we need to be talking about this as a community and it's why mm -hmm. on event hubs we will go uh, to every staff member and be like hey what do you guys like think of this story like let's talk about this here for a little bit because yeah i've got it up in my head how i think it's going to work but i'm not thinking of everything i don't have the collective galaxy brain of the fighting game community when we're all combined with our powers combined captain planet i don't know i don't know where i'm going with 
that. But anyway, um, when we do work together, though, we are able to unpack the stuff at a super high level. And it's why it's so important that we go away from, oh, my God, this game is stupid and lame. And oh, blah, blah, and but to more of a discussion. Yes, this game is flawed. But when you do this and when you alter this, I think the game will be a lot better. And here's why. And, you know, Joe, what do you think of this? And then you go down the line and you have really thoughtful and good discussions within our community and we're able to work this stuff out. We are able to to get this stuff processed and, and into a good spot. It's a big reason why our podcast exists. We want to talk about this stuff. We want to see your feedback out there. Like, hey, you know, um, you and John both smoke crack. You know, it's like, okay, of course we do. But besides that, like... I was going to make that same joke. And it's not even a joke. We yeah. totally smoke crack. Yeah, anyway, but um, but besides <laughs> that, like, what do you think of our opinions about this, right? Like, get get back to us and let us know. And it's why we're going through these steps out here. We are trying to level ourselves up, level the community up, and, and try to figure it out. And, you know, there it is. So, um, real quick, I'll, I'll circle back to the point about Bonchan. Um, and I'll just say that the uh, the majority of pros here that I see um, online and playing Street Fighter Five, they're about Grandmaster rank. There's some above, there's some below. That's about average right now for most of the pros you see in tournament. And that would mainly fall into like the A range in terms of the grade system we were just discussing, right? Uh, and then Bonchan actually talks about this quite a bit in the the segment he does. And he said players at lower lower levels are so often panicking, and he cites that as a huge factor of why stronger players outperform them. It's Bonchan's perspective. Maybe it's you know a, a separation of skills maybe it's a bunch of other things but he definitely feels like panicking at lower levels having your mental game off and ha 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 street fighter 5 being so easy to play right you know type thing uh this is all stuff that weighs in here right like these are these are all the categories and, and things that we're looking at trying to unpack these games at a higher level than we ever have before and and studying a player like bonchan who's currently the best street fighter 5 player on the planet like like you can take his comments like that he made months ago and look at the stuff and going, oh, this is what you were looking at. This, these are the things you were studying before you got up to that, you know, amazing level that you're at right now. Like I want, I want to figure out what you were doing and get up there too, well, so to speak. I don't have that kind of time, but exactly. I, I want I want to get better. Right. You know, and, and this is how all of us can get better and improve by studying the stuff and, and unpacking it. So I agree with you wholeheartedly there. I think the next logical progression of this is to go to the people that say, well, what about the game? Well, well I do feel like this isn't the game that I wanted. And then mm. so maybe the answer, you know, then they'll agree like, well, I want the V triggers to be nerfed and maybe that would help things out. But as it stands right now, I think this is a poorly designed game. And I'm somewhat in that camp, but I check myself. And uh, so so this is the, the next follow-up tweet from, from what I was reading earlier. It says, and finally for the what if it is badly designed folks, people are optimizing and winning in badly designed games every day. The game can be badly designed and it still isn't the reason you are losing 99% of the time. Okay, well, yes, here's the thing. I might have some gripes with how the game works. I might have some gripes with how, you know, Urian or whomever can act or whoever can activate their V-trigger and, and kind of turn off their brain. But unless I was doing everything else perfectly, like I got every anti-air, I took advantage of every situation and, and had my meaty timings down, I didn't flail on defense. If I did a wake-up DP, it was because I decided to do that wake-up DP and it wasn't just like, what do I do? Go. And if I can say that all of that has been done, then I can start to complain about that. But until I have done that, and until I'm the best with my character, meaning I've I've gone as far as anybody else has with my character, there is something for me to work on. 
And there is something for me to grow. There, there is area for me to grow and that I can fall back in that. And it's like, sure, maybe the game isn't perfectly designed, but I'm not playing at a maximum efficiency. So it's like the discussion of tier lists. It's like, well, maybe this character beats this other character. But when you're talking about a tier list, you're talking about two players that are playing the game perfectly and people aren't playing the game perfectly, right? Yes. So it's not, I mean, just because a, a match is, is not, you know, character wise in your favor doesn't mean that you can't win it. And it doesn't mean that the person that you're playing against represents the full potential of that other character. So those are things you got to take into account. And uh, so that, that's just something to kind of like check yourself with and say, have I done everything that I can do? When you talk about badly designed, well, you, well that's stuff that's out of your control, right? And so that passes the buck. Yes. And I, there, there's certainly something to be said there. It's not like, well, it all just needs to come back on me. No, there, the, Street Fighter V could get better than it is right now, and in some significant ways, absolutely. Yeah, no one's, but you no can also watching, level yourself up. No one's watching G's V-Trigger 1 and going, oh, damn, that's so well designed. I love sure. that. That's incredible. Thank <laughs> well, you, Capcom. All G players do that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and so, and then the other part of that is to remind yourself that as far as winning goes, the badly designed game uh, still has those different levels of, okay, so yeah. the, the, the back and forth, the rock, paper, scissors, the, the game that I'm supposed to be playing normally in fighting games, it isn't this close. It's like a step back. It's more about, well, when Akuma has V-Trigger, I have to step away and just let him burn it. And that's how I win there because right now I can't beat him. And is that fair? No, but at least it's like, I know what I can do. I know that well, to beat this advantage, which is unfair, but there's still an answer to it, or at least a, a something of an answer, even if it still isn't in my favor. Like, there's a better thing I could be doing. And you could be leveling up your vision of the game to be able to identify those situations as we all sit and wait for Street Fighter VI. Yep. And I will note that on that, the, the takeaway for me is what you don't know can hurt you. Oh, sure. It's you have to study this stuff and you have to be humble about it. And if the game just does not jive with you at all and you're like, I hate this game, I don't want to play it. Games are supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be enjoying the yes. process of it. And that you know goes back to our original discussion there. So I won't go into it again, but I'll just say that, yeah, if you don't enjoy the game, don't play it. Like you don't have to. Like there's a bunch of other things you could be doing with your time. Um, but for those who are struggling and I, you know, I see you online and say, ah, oh, you know, this pisses me off or that pisses me off. This stuff is for you. Because you do you do care about the game, you do want to get better. You're just you're being self destructive in some of your habits, and you need to be a little bit better about how you go about it. Because once you get better about going about it, you're going to get better in game. And some of these frustrations are not going to go away, but they're going to be mitigated because you're going to understand how to deal with them. And there it is. Yes, and you owe it to yourself to have as thoroughly as possible explored this space before you pass a judgment on it. Yes. Because maybe it is you feel that way and that's fine. And if you don't have fun, you don't have fun and you don't have to play. Yeah. But if you, there's a lot of people like like me, I would say, that, that do want to play, that do want to play Street Fighter and don't have as much fun with this game, but make sure that you've explored everything because there's a part of you that does want to play. You're, that's, that's, that's obvious, right? Because you haven't walked away yet. And if you haven't, Continue to explore. Make sure you've exhausted everything before you make your judgment. There it is. I'm saying that to me as loudly as <laughs> yeah. I'm saying it to anybody else. Hey, this is our own therapy sessions. Like we're listening back to the podcast too and going, damn, that's some good advice I gave. You know, yeah. so, <laughs> anyway. You're welcome, future John. There it is. <laughs> um, speaking of future and John, actually this all works. Do, 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 do. We've got uh, <laughs> we've got Terminator Immortal Combat 11 and he looks 
he looks a little stiff, but he look, it's awesome. It's Terminator. He is in the game. I am stoked to see him. It's someone doing Arnold's voice. I don't know who it is, but they sound pretty good. Um, like, Oh, you're about to get so much hate mail for saying that. <laughs> I, I like, I mean, it's okay. It's mostly good. Like I, I can tell it's someone doing an impersonation of Arnold, hey, but yeah. I just, like I said to the best of five guys yesterday, you got to own it. You just got to take it because actually I agree with you. I think that the voice is just fine. I know it's not Arnold, but if, and it doesn't have to be Arnold. The other big part of this is that he's lost a lot of his traditional Austri- uh, Austrian accent. Mm. Let's put another shrimp on the Barbie. There we go. Uh, that <laughs> I think you got the dumb and dumber. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, so he's lost a lot of his accent because he's just been here for so long, listening and talking and speaking English. Uh, uh, you know, and so that's the other side of that. But the fact of the matter is, I think that this character is an absolute success, and I would go as far as to say, and I could be, I could be argued against, but this is like a kind of sort of knee jerk where I'm at right now reaction to all this. That the Terminator, uh, the T-800 that is going to be released on October 8th, early access, and then a week thereafter for everybody else that wants to buy them, uh, in Mortal Kombat 11 has been more so a pop culture reference for the game, for notoriety, than a new addition to the roster as a character. Mm. He's very much a new addition to the roster as a character. It's significant. He might be winning some tournaments soon. He's part of the game. But... I think the more significant win here is that NRS has continued and leveled up and gotten to a new level, a new echelon of their pop culture reference and and just general uh, uh, reach with their characters in this esports age. Who better than the Terminator? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the most famous people uh, that's alive today, and we'll go down in history as such. The dude's done everything, you know. One, he's been the buffest. He's been the the most action starriest. You know, he's been the governor. He became the <laughs> governor of like what hasn't this guy done? And and everyone in the world knows who he is, and and knows this movie or these movies, I should say. And they got this guy to be in their fighting game. If you thought people would go, oh man, I remember Mortal Kombat. Like, how many people are gonna remember Mortal or remember Arnold Schwarzenegger? And how many people are gonna maybe dabble in Mortal Kombat when they wouldn't have because of this? NRS just knocks it out of the park with good new ideas. Not all of their ideas are good, but like they break so much ground. Whether it's becoming the new standard for a cinematic story, whether it's like exploring like you know all the crazy stuff that they did with you know like chess and then Mario Kart in Mortal Kombat and then third person adventures, whatever. But they do all of these new things, and it and it's very often changes the 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 way things are in fighting games and and raises the bar. And I think Arnold is the latest. Um, it's not even Arnold. They don't even say Arnold Schwarzenegger. They don't use his, his name, but it's definitely his likeness. But the, the Terminator in this game has been, I think, arguably the biggest and, and certainly the most recent success and raising of the bar. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're living in the era of guest characters where we are seeing so many wonderful and amazing crossovers in fighting games. Like we saw them before, like we had Yoda, we had Link, we had a few others like in Soul Calibur and and different stuff, but like the amount and then kind of just the oomph behind it, like that, that hits you. Like you see the Terminator in Mortal Kombat, like going up against Scorpion, you're like, okay, that's, that's the thing. That's something I never expected to see. And it is damn cool. 
there's a lot going on there and freaking you know Schwarzenegger's doing like his his uh I remember it from Terminator 2 where he's got a shotgun and he like spins it around to like reload it I don't know how he does that without shooting his own head off that's what I would do if I, it was me but like it's awesome it's still awesome it's awesome like 50 years later whenever that movie was like filmed originally it, it's great and, and this it's is the move that all of us were doing after we first saw yes. it. Was like, how does he, that was so cool. How does he do that? Yeah. Oh, you got to get your toy gun and yeah. try to like flip it around yeah. and stuff and hit your sister and yourself in the face yeah. a bunch of times while you do it. Yeah, I, I still have no idea how he does it all this time later. But but this is <laughs> this is the era that we're in right now, and it is great. This is how you bring a lot of people into fighting games again because it's like, oh, I like the Terminator. Like you know, I I should go and play this and, and try it out and whatnot. Not every guest character is going to be a big hit, um, but a lot of them it helps to to branch out. Your games and i do wonder now like i mean obviously marvel versus capcom that's like a giant guest you know character crossover thing to begin with right? right that's the whole basis of it but these other games that haven't done this like a street fighter like is that okay to cross pollinate like with these titles like is that a, a future direction like to me that's a big glowing yes like this is opportunity written all over it like i don't care whatever the old rules were and there's reason how you know that why they existed and all that i get that but now why not do this? Because it just ignites so many fires in our community and outside of it to bring people in. Yeah, that's it, a very valid thing. And Capcom, they do crossovers from their own IPs and such, and we'll bring Final Fight over, and they've been doing that for forever, right? So there's something there, but yes, they haven't started delving into like what we've seen with Tekken, of course, Mortal Kombat and Injustice. And, uh, and and more and more titles. It's Smash. Look what Smash uh, is doing. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> with mean, the guest characters. You can't not say does that. Does Smash have crossover characters? I have no idea. I've never heard of that. You know, It's like, yeah, that's like, uh, I think someone called it uh, – uh, video game the video game like is what they named it like it's because it's That's just funny. like it's it's amazing and, and this is the era we're in now and it's like if you look at you know the the best all-time sales for smash or whatever it is like for ultimate i mean just so much success tied to this it's like this has to be a way forward until it gets old for people you know like until like i look up and i see like freddy krueger and street fighter and i'm like ah i don't care you know like <laughs> this should be a thing like it, it is so much fun to play with these characters and like to, to honor like where they came from i remember like the friday the 13th game they just did which has all the nonsense from the movies uh and even yeah. like uh an homage to the the nes game where Jason is in a purple outfit, you know, <laughs> like he never wore purple, but like he does in this, you know, and, he, and like he can teleport around because Jason, like he, he always walks and just like jumps onto people. So he teleports, right. That, that works. Um, like putting that nonsense in that, that stuff back into these products, like it's fun. It's great. And like, again, at the end of the day, these games should be fun. So uh, even though like some crossover stuff has never happened before, like, uh, with certain, you know, franchises and whatnot, I'm 120% okay with it. Like, it is... I, yeah, I wonder if there are diminishing returns, though. Because, like, who's bigger than freaking Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger? You know, in this particular... Like, I'm not saying he's the biggest, but I can't think of anyone bigger, at the, like, off the top of my head that would, you know, with as many callbacks and stuff. Like, for everything, everything he does makes us all, like, giddy little girls at a Jonas Brothers concert, right? Like, Jonas oh, he flipped Brothers. the toy! The yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I didn't or, see that Justin Bieber, whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, that's fine. I, I just... I, I, I figured... Backstreet I've been ones. hanging out with Dream King yeah. and listening to too many of his suggested music tracks, oh, and so I'm sorry. Go. Yeah, he's always throwing me this. Anyways, uh, we see him come out, and he like has the the flower box, but of course it's been replaced by Johnny Cage dolls box, right? And he flips the gun out of it. Everything he says is a callback to the movies and such. He says, "Get over here," and he crosses over with Scorpion. And he said, "Get over here, oh my 
god! <laughs> and it's like, and it, and it legitimately does get this to get us to react. But one, where do we go from here? You know, who's going to be bigger than this? And 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 when is it going to start to become like, oh, they're doing the gimmick thing again? Like, is it a gimmick? That's the other big question that we ask. I mean. I think it's a gimmick if you don't put it in the proper context. So I think these are perfect DLC characters that are not part of your main story. And ha ha ha, you know, fighting games don't have a story for the most part. Like it's, you know, it's sure <laughs> I can make a comparison. But it's not in your like, like a lot canonical. Of trouble, so I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> steer away from that. But um, anyway, that's really funny if you knew where I was going. But if not, you'll have to bear with that. But yeah. Um, anyway, um, I think that like I, I'm thinking of like Luke Skywalker or freaking like Ray from um, uh, Star Wars, like the new Star Wars movies in there. And of course, she just like masters everything with like a drop of a hat. Right. Mary Sue. Um, but anyway, um, like you put those characters in and I think that like these games kind of take on a life of their own at that point. And and it's fine for the time being. And I don't know how long that will last for. I think you've got probably another five or 10 years before the novelty of this kind of wears off, but maybe not even then. I mean, look at smash. Like it's an entire franchise based around doing this for the most part. And it's still, it's stronger than ever, you know? And yeah, and it's incredible. So I, I think there are some limits. Like, I don't know which characters you, I don't know if you'd want Barney, the dinosaur and street fighter, right? Like under any circumstances. Ever. <laughs> well, now I do yeah. now that you've said something like uh, that. <laughs> I think there are some limits and I mean, you have to be somewhat careful with it like the 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 character does have to fit the motif of the game right like you can't do something like completely out of left field unless that, that fits your game uh but overall i i don't see it hitting that saturation saturation point anytime soon it also depends on how much they do it yeah. if they get a whole bunch of money from dlc you know like i'm not saying nrs would do it but i'm just saying that history tells us that once something works corporations and, and, and business will do it into the ground and then it, it'll become a parody of itself or it'll become cliche or whatever very quickly that would um, never happen john because capcom jumped out and said that we're never going to put ryu in a dorky outfit that doesn't fit him at all and they put him in a biker costume that had no business being on him ever with a band <laughs> <laughs> it was great because they got money for it they're like yeah well you know what? we're never going to do that until someone pays us enough money then we're all in so. Right. So I think that we could get a little fatigued a little faster than uh, but but I think that also just like a couple a handful every every year where it stays like oh there's also this little part of Mortal Kombat that we appreciate and it doesn't become the centralized like who's the guest character going to be that all depends on the guest character it's all about the guest character and then all of the efforts are focused on that as long as we don't get too far into that realm I think that we'll be okay mm. and I think that it is great right now like I look at Arnold and I go or I look at Terminator and I go what a win in, in so many levels and it's like he is 100% a, a great like you know character addition to the roster that what he adds as a character to the game and the gameplay and, and like players competitors that can sit down and choose this other character he's absolutely that but but he's also getting us to be like you know giddy little schoolgirls constantly and and i think that that's a huge win in and of itself it's getting eyes on mortal Kombat like crazy it's just it's it's so full of win and it's such a good move so hats off to nrs oh, again yeah we're getting giddy like we're going to a jonas brothers concert but anyway moving yeah. right along the next <laughs> thing we had here is uh season four characters you've been talking about them uh being really strong additions here to street fighter 5 like like what are you seeing out there 
So nothing too particular, but uh, we've looked at season four and it's been almost a bad word. It's had a negative connotation with it ever since the whole Kage came out. We're doing something differently. We're doing things differently. And it's always just been about radio silence and Capcom's not doing enough and yada, yada, yada. And that was all accurate for sure. But here we are. We got another character release batch of, of three new characters. And that brings the total for season four up to four. And it's Kage... Poison, E-Honda, and Lucia. And I just, it's more of just, I've noticed in my own like heart and reactions that when I talk about the DLC of Season 4 and Street Fighter V, it's kind of become ironed down and cemented as this negative thing. And I think it's actually evolved into something a lot more positive as of late because we've got four now. That's really, that is something. And all four of them bring something unique to the table. They're all four like kind of fun to see and watch and explore. And, and all four of them have been pretty decently balanced where they're not making the game less fun, which is a huge win too, is, you know, a DLC, it's hard to do. Um, and then they're not necessarily like, you know, Kage kind of feels like he's not relevant, but you still see Sako yeah, bring was, him out in tournament. That was going to be the main character I argued against right then and there, but actually Kage is um, out of the season four cast right now. He's the most played and he's not completely absent like snake eyes will play him too like he you do see him periodically he's not well represented but but please continue yeah so so they're not perfect but they're not hurting the game (laughs) and and they've all brought something fairly colorful to the table yes we're not going to see kage as much in top eights but I think that he is a, so he's like another Shoto. So you're already in this danger zone of like, well, is he completely overshadowed by Akuma? And he certainly is in some ways. I think they they should up his uh, walk speed a little bit and make him more of a footsies character because I think that would be very interesting. But he could also get very strong very quickly. Uh, but I didn't want to go too detailed into it. But he does have some really cool stuff with his V triggers that's unique to him. You know, because they both see him teleport in various ways, and I think that's fairly creative. And the kind of zany mix-ups and and setups rather that he can get off of those if people had more incentive to play him we've already seen them exploring that a little bit and i think that they'd get even further fleshed out and that would be really cool i think kage is actually a really cool character especially with his new costume Hmm. oh my gosh the uh the asura's wrath Mm -hmm. like uh it it looks really it really it's it's awesome so uh not perfect but he brings something sort of fresh to the table he brings a lot of potential to the table i think he's and, and and he's also he's evil ryu there's a lot of significance there too because people love them some Evil Ryu and they just, you know, they, they changed the name a little bit because canonically Evil Ryu is not a thing, but now he is. And uh, and I think that that's, that's a pretty good win. So, hey, we have Kage and and we're not overshadowing it all with negativity about season four and Capcom being silent. So there's there's a plus. Uh, you have E-Honda. Yeah, um, the f- I actually will take it a bit of a different direction here. I'm fairly underwhelmed by season four still because the characters are not making an impact in tournament. If Lucia does, like, I'll be very happy. But I'm a, a pretty big advocate for, like, characters, like, when they're released, they should be making an impact. Or why why was a character released then? Like, they weren't ready, if you ask me at that point. And I get, like, people want the sanctity of their product or whatever, like, you know, to hold up. But good. If you are, if you're picking up Honda, let's just say, and and you are going to do very well with him in tournament and he's not, like, overpowered, right? You have had to put so much time into such a short stint of time uh, to get that good and to make that character that good. And I look at the cast and I go, eh, they're all right. I mean, at least they're not like bottom tier, right? I don't look at any of the characters and say, oh, they're complete garbage, right? But 
to me, you when you release a DLC character, that character should be having an impact on the tournaments itself. Like, you know, they should be able to compete against the Kamis, the Akumas, uh, the Rashids, and all that to some degree. I'm not saying they have to be top tier, but they should be really good. Like, that should be the goal every single time you come out. And the fact that these characters are... They're all right. I think Lucia's got the best chance of doing something. And I think, you know, Sako's playing her a bit. That's fine. Um, but that's one hit and then, you know, three misses. And that's how I look at it. There's certainly some significance there in what you said. Because, yeah, they, they should make something of a splash. I'm always worried about them going way too far and just dominating because they're just too different or whatever. They have something too OP. Um, and that was kind of what Mortal Kombat kept running into. Yeah. But, yeah, you do want them to have a splash because you do want people to buy them. You do want people to explore them and such. So, sure. But I would also say that in Street Fighter, it's usually that, like, a character comes out and it's, like, not for another, you know, six months or so that they really uh start to to come into their own like g came out and we didn't see too much of him but then you know people had six months or so season two started and then in this tournament season he's become much more of a thing than he was in the previous one yeah. um, sometimes that comes because of like you know so like balrog and urian became super good in season two because they got specific buffs or because the game changed in their favor but um that that happened with guile as well like people guile came out and people were like this character is like terrible and then he was like top 10 and top five for a while you know and and again changes affected that a little bit but a huge part of it was people just didn't have enough time with them and and in Mortal Kombat, it seems like just the way that game is, people can get the new characters and just immediately go crazy with them and be super good. And that doesn't seem to be the case as much so with Street Fighter. I think that they're, well, I don't know specifically why, a little more nuanced or something, but it's harder to get to that level that quickly with new characters. So uh, you you might be right, though. I feel like they're pretty much the same way. Like, no one's making that splash. And they certainly haven't yet. And Lucia is the, the biggest, uh, she has the most potential for it. But they still might. And you have people like Justin Wong picking up Poison full-time now. We haven't seen him, uh, to my knowledge, play a lot of Poison in tournament yet. And and, and even if he you know, has, it, it hasn't had that time to really you know, explore the character to the point where they're going to. So there's still some time for that, that to happen. That Justin actually, uh, he played in the Asia Premier, which was a you know, super stacked you know, super Premier tournament and whatnot. And he got... 25th place with poison and wasn't on stream one time <laughs> yeah, it's like ah but that is you know that is a very significant impact justin wong is an incredible player uh, he also took falk and did a lot of stuff with her and we have falk as like either the worst character in the game or the second worst that is much more of a testament to who justin wong is and how great he is at fighting games but i do think that poison has some potential there i think you're, you can see more of that stuff but i did want to shout that out um, you also have an example in like Zeku, like he, mm -hmm. he wasn't played a whole lot at first and that character is going to take a little bit longer than the average to, to really get good with. So, um, and then he also got some buffs too. So that was nice. But anyways, um, but all of these characters like Honda, he's like the new, the last world warrior. People were really wanting him. Honda players are pretty used to not being top tier, but they like playing their character. Uh, and then like poison, she's got a lot of charisma. A lot of people appreciate her. Uh, and then, um, and then Lucia, who's kind of like out there, uh, I think people like her design a lot and they have a lot of fun playing her with her. She's explosive. She's fiery. She's not overpowering people, but she's got some really cool rushdown that people are enjoying using. So there's been, like, my whole point in all of this is that there's been a lot of win with these characters and there's been some significant addition to the game. I think they've made it a, a little bit better place, you know, all in all. And, uh, and I just wonder that or I feel like I wasn't giving it enough attention in that realm. And then so I think that other people probably weren't either. And so I just a kind of a reminder to look at it through that angle, at that angle, and um, 
and appreciate it. Yeah, you could argue also that the the biggest problem that's going on with the game is Akuma, Rashid, Kami, you know, those type of characters because they're so oppressive. Uh, it's something I've been talking about with uh, Majin Tension Hand a little bit lately, that the balance of this game is really overrated. And the more that we've been unpacking this stuff and doing usage, like stats and all that kind of stuff, the more I agree with them. Uh, I was looking at Smash Melee, which is a joke of a game for character usage. It's like, you know, Fox, uh, Falco, yeah. and, uh, you know freaking a few others and whatnot uh and it's it's just a joke of a game in terms of usage and that's fine it's like melee is a great game but usage just totally sucks and then i compared it to street fighter 5 and some of the stories we ran and i go oh my gosh that looks like melee and i go that is a terrible thing to have happen i think it was actually the the tournament i just mentioned we had 23 akuma players at the asia premiere that's a super premiere tournament we covered that before but it's just you know that is in bad that is completely really in bracket or in top like 64 or something that like was that. top 128 i think so um i mean still a very significant portion just playing you know akuma right uh and then like you know it was basically the the murderer's row of you know characters we always hear about in tournament that's really bad like you can look at smash ultimate and a few other games and they have way better usage where you're seeing characters at like five or six or something like that and you know a bunch of the characters in the four or three range with the same um uh, you know the same bracket basically looked at like the same amount of players i should say and, and it, street fighter 5 actually has really bad balance issues at the very top of the game i have not realized it up until now you know talking with uh, talking with Nicholas a little bit more um uh, he has really filled in some of these blanks for me and I'm like holy crap dude th this was sitting right in front of my face I did not realize it um Street Fighter 5 has pretty bad balance it, it is is a pretty bad balance game at the very top of it uh and again it's just you can look no further than how much we complain about Rashid for proof of that it's like that should not be happening that should that shouldn't have never happened to begin with that character should have been properly nerfed over the seasons we've justified it for you know whatever but shouldn't have happened you know and, and still you do an emergency patch you know to, to address Rashid and Akuma if you need to like that's not too hard to do at this point um, and you do it you take care of it so you know sorry I'm sorry Akuma and Rashid players you've had five years to dominate the game that's been out for three <laughs> years um, it's too bad for you. <laughs> you you know you don't get to, to manipulate time and everyone else anymore Here oh they go. probably so. will here we go <laughs> that's their new buff <laughs> Yeah, so so uh, I'm gonna take the foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, I agree with you, I, and I think that what we have in front of us right now is an esports competition title, and and you have the ability to change it, and like via like patches and hot fixes and such, and so you should, right? Yep. And it's like maybe even if you didn't do it for games in the past or that wasn't the the standard back then, like well, it is now, and it is now for some pretty easily articulable reasons because it, it feels weird it's like well you could go like back in my day we had yun and chun li and third strike and that's <laughs> yep. the way it was and we dealt with it and we evolved and it's like yeah there's something to be learned there and then and you can take some of that and apply it to where we are now but back in you know it, it that, that's different times you know yep. modern modern problems call for modern solutions there you go. It's it when we can make that big of jokes about a character for that long. Uh, that includes Raku uh, Akuma and Rashid. I call him Rakuma. There we go. So <laughs> hybrid of characters, but that includes dance. both. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, when we can make jokes about those characters for this long, that's a problem, you know. And it's not. It, it does not take a rocket scientist to figure out. Oh yeah, we should definitely tweak those characters, you know, and, and not let that be. Um, a dominating factor for this entire season there, there's yeah. just no reason for it but i digress we should move along here and um we're gonna uh, close this out here with uh bh raccoon who sent in another mailbag question for us and he asked 
how do you guys suggest dealing with jerks online? Either in your comment sections. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of those. We, we do try to ban them, but there's plenty of those. But are those opponents who mock you during or after a fight? Um, it can make engaging online a little intimidating, especially with people with anxiety. You know, and... Um, so I'm going to actually start here with the the online gaming portion of things because uh, I think it's the most relevant for everyone listening. Uh, some people don't even go on social media or go into our comments, so so there it is. Uh, but when someone is trying to troll you in an online match, they're trying to get into your head and get you not to play your game, or and they want you to focus on their shenanigans. They do not want you focusing on their gameplay. Uh, and this is a totally valid tactic in pro sports and elsewhere where if you can get inside someone's head and get them to focus on ridiculous stuff that you're doing instead of focusing on the game, that's big. And it increases your chances of winning. That That is a tactic that, you know, I'm, you know, giving quite a bit of credit there to, you know, people who are essentially trolling or whatever, but it is a valid tactic. So what you do is you do not engage. Because this is what they want you to do. They thrive off of getting you to focus on things that don't matter. And then the moment that they see that you are focused on that instead of beating them, they strike. It's a free juggling pin. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if they're an antagonistic player uh, and they do this regularly, they have practiced this and they know when someone is mentally going to crack. They, they can go like, oh, I just teabagged you. Now I'm going to wait here for a few seconds because I know the anger is building, right? You're, the shock of, I can't believe that guy just teabagged me, right? And then like the then reality hits and it's like, well, I'm going to get even with that guy. I'm going to, you know, yeah. and, and they here know to wait. a forward dash. Yes, <laughs> and they know to wait. And so... Um, if you do not crack at all, they often will because they expect you to fall apart or to do something foolish when they have baited you. And uh, in many situations, uh, for most players, not reacting at all to when this stuff happens is how you win. Um, that is the pretty much the overriding thing because, again, it, they, they want a reaction. They're waiting for it, and then you don't give it to them. It, it, they're like, oh, what, it, what are you doing? Like you're supposed to, you're supposed to they'll blow up for something and whatnot. There's an exception to this, and I, and I will say that if you're an antagonistic player yourself, the advice is actually similar and that you shouldn't react at first. And and then let them see if that, you know, like, you know, let them to see like if that's bothering you at all and whatnot. And then when the odds are heavily in your favor here, you taunt and you get back at them and they will often crack. They will fall apart and match, and you will actually see this at the highest levels of play. In tournament, you'll see, you know, knuckle do or something like that, teabag or whatever, and then uh, someone will be like, oh, that's what you're going to do? Okay, I'm going to kind of put this in my back pocket, and then when he's on the ropes, they'll teabag him back, and he'll fall apart. You know, and it's, I don't consider knuckle do like too much of a taunting player, but he definitely was known for that at certain points in time. He's, um, he's dialed it back for sure. Yeah, he's dialed it back a lot. So, most antagonists actually can't handle people doing the same things back to them. They are not prepared for it because it's so rare that someone puts it in the proper context and knows how to you know, counterbalance that with them. Uh, you see it in pro sports. You see it elsewhere. Um, that only works if you can handle that style of play. Most players cannot, and so I recommend the vast majority of people just, you know, hey, completely ignore it and be above it and, like, just don't even let it impact you because that is all it is designed to do is to get in your head. Uh, and the best thing you can do is completely block it out. There's a scene in a movie called The Little Giants. It's about, uh, like, little football league with uh, with the kids that are probably, like, eight years old. And to intimidate the other team at one point, they all take these little, like, 
white foaming tablets and then so they get they get to the line of scrimmage and they get ready and then all of them are foaming at the mouth and they oh, look like they have rabies and uh, <laughs> made me think of that when you're talking about that so you approached this from the idea that the other person is doing this to actually manipulate your gameplay and that they don't just have like a yoga life where it's just spilling over and they're yelling mean things at you online because that's what a lot of people do. I'm going to approach it from, well, okay, so what about the people that are doing it that way and and are just saying, like, if uh, this doesn't work in Street Fighter right now, but it used to be in, like, when we played on Xbox um, from Street Fighter 4, you could hear people talking with their mic, and that works also, like, in um, probably most other games. I know it works in, in Mortal Kombat. You can hear the other person. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I'm shoot right to the end here and talk about, like, well, if you have anxiety the the answer to a lot of this is to just not let it affect you but i understand also that there are cases where the anxiety is a real thing and you're probably not in a place where you're like feasibly able to just not let it you know to just have thick skin i can appreciate that for sure if that's the case where when you go online um, and this stuff is happening and it, it it causes too much of a reaction in you, then I would say I, I would just remove myself from doing these things for a while and work on, you know, however you're going to work on it, you know, therapy or whatever, whatever your particular case is, getting out of um, getting to a place where you are able to do that because it's just not worth it right now to like, I, you know, there are other things that you can do that are similar where you won't be exposed to other people that are going to do this kind of a thing to you. But if you, if it's something that's just, it sets you off and you know, it's going to set you off and you don't feel like you have much control over it at this point, then probably just remove yourself from the stimulus until you are able to do that. Yeah. But if you, um, so, so once you're past that and you actually do want to continue to play, but you are still, you know, upset by these things. And, and I get hate mail all the time online and stuff i got mm -hmm. you know someone said nice lag you know like yesterday while i was playing and um hey don't talk about the messages i send you that's not yeah and i was gonna say it's johnson <laughs> uh but so they they definitely sting each and every time you see them you post something on twitter you put an article up on event hubs and and people go in on you and all these different ways sometimes it's very obvious like what they're saying it has no truth and validity it still stings a little bit but you know that it's not it's like whatever who cares you're just mad at yourself and and you can usually fall back on things like that and be okay with it uh, but what i personally will do is usually i i will want to respond and i will begin typing my message either you know my keyboard or or on ps my psn or whatever uh, and, and I'll get halfway through it and the moment will have passed and I'll be like, I don't need to send this. This is fine. It's whatever. It doesn't, it, it, it's not worth it, especially if they respond, but whatever. That's the whole counting to 10 thing. People say count to 10 yep. when you get mad because it's about that long that the initial uh, spike of, of emotion is there. And then after that, it fades and you can think a little more logically, but it gives you that count to 10 period. If I do end up responding, it's usually with a little bit of a tongue in cheek, like someone says nice lag and they think. I've been working on it for a while, something like that, where you're not giving them the the benefit of like the 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 retort. It's well, mm -hmm. like the angry retort. They haven't in, in, they haven't incited that in you. They haven't brought that out of you, and you're just mocking them right back. And like you know, be decently respectful, but it's more of a message to them that you're just saying. I, this doesn't affect me and and you're a goof and or or you might even say something just like 
thanks, have a nice day or something like that. Yeah. Just something goofy. But the point is you're not responding in kind and that's, that kind of usually shuts it all down. So a lot of this kind of comes down to like, you know, first grade, what do you do when there's a bully? But hey, man, those lessons were really good and they still 100% apply. They were they were just really training us for how to deal with being online. So that's what I personally they do. Apply, I'll usually... But you have to evolve them. That's uh, people are good at getting under your skin in this you know era 2019. It's social oh, media sure. is hard to deal with. And I mean, you know, there's anti-bullying laws and a bunch of other things because it has become too much for some people, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's very serious. Uh, and so John is correct. Like the, those lessons we learned way back then, uh, they're they're entirely applicable. But they also have to be. It's hard. It's not easy to control yourself and, and make all this stuff happen either. I just wanted to, mm-hmm. to note that. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much it. Also, just continually preach to yourself, like as it pertains to this situation, your own, like, I guess, self-worth and, and validity, you know, like whatever's being said here, it's, it's kind of goofy. And, and, and if there is something of truth in what they're saying, like, Hey, you screwed up here, you dummy. And they're saying it in a disrespectful way, but you're like, Oh, but that is true what they're saying. Well, take that and say, separate it from the negativity and separate it from them trying to like slash at your heart, but say, this is something I could work on and I will work on it. And Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to level it up and and take that, you know? So it's not easy. I'm talking about it here. Like, well, here's the answer. It's like, yeah, it's not that simple, but here are some things that you can do to minimize the negativity and to sometimes have fun, you know, with it and, and, and goof on people a little bit and, and kind of take the wind out of those negative sales. So hopefully yeah. that helps. You, you really need to ask yourself when this stuff comes up, like, what benefit is there to engaging in the first place? Like if someone's negative enough to send you a, a hate mail or whatever and stuff, they're probably not the best of people, you know, and um, it, it's a lot of the messages John alluded to, like some are kind, but by far we get so much more negative, uh, you know, messages and tone and approach and whatnot. And I've taught the team here, like why engage? Like what literally is going to happen here when you engage with someone who's very toxic? Like it's, you're just going to get toxic waste on you. That's pretty much what it is. Um, so, uh, it's very unlikely you're going to change someone mind, someone's mind and how they feel. You know, it's it's when you're having an argument with someone, you know, and you, it's getting freaking heavy. Like you guys are going back and forth and you've exchanged like 10 messages and whatnot. The odds of them going, ah, you know what? I was a total jerk. <laughs> Every Damn. time I've won an online fight and the other person has conceded, I've printed it out and I've put it on my fridge and there's nothing on my fridge. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's um, it, just the, the odds of them, you know, just turning around and like ever admitting to anything at that point are just pretty much gone. You know, so it, it's the, the value of engagement at that point. It's just oof. so um, and usually these types, they just want to argue with you. They want to say something insulting. They want to get a rise out of you. And it's why what John said, like, I give him some kind of witty retort and just like, dude, I don't really care. Like, whatever, you know, type thing. So, uh, yeah, it, block them out. Uh, avoid them as much as you can. And focus on the stuff that's actually going to be productive for you. Like, focus on things that are that are going to, to enrich your life and make, you know, you, help accomplish your goals. You know, um, most people don't have arguing online with people as one of their goals and whatnot. Unless you are a super toxic person which there are a few of in, in the community and whatnot, then that is like their number one goal and they're really good at it too. Uh, and those are the exact people you never want to talk to in our community. You want to block them. You want to get away from them. Uh, they're out there uh, and they will suck up your time and your soul uh, and try to bring you down to their level. Ugh, yeah, very bad. Shang Tsung, yeah. Yes. So anyway, uh, it, it's you can have good interactions online and even in our comments like you will see some good stuff in there but having meaningful and enriching dialogue it's hard 
right? It's usually like a standout comment or whatnot. You know, it's it's a few other things like social media and comments are just not designed to have a good long form discussion with someone and really articulate how you feel and what to do. It's just it's not really good for it. You know, so anyway, that's that's our very long winded advice there. But uh, hopefully that helps out the people listening to it. Um, it's definitely something at, here at Event Hubs, like our entire staff has had to develop pretty thick skin. Uh, we did have a staff member come in and say, hey, you know, the, the FGC has been very supportive to me over the years and they've been wonderful. And then uh, that person got very, very, very upset, like two or three weeks after working here uh, from all the negativity that they got. Um, and and we had to have a conversation with them and kind of, you know, bring them back around and whatnot. We see a lot of toxicity on our website and other places uh, directed at us and, and other people. Um, it's not easy to deal with, but uh, the best way, again, is just distance yourself from it as much as you can because uh, nothing there but trouble. So. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, thank you all again uh, so much for listening, and uh, we're going to be back with you soon. All right. And don't be jerks online. Yeah, there you go. Very good advice. And it's not even a joke. We totally smoke crack.